Several months ago, I put forward the theory that a remembrance of the thousand-year reign of Mashiach was dependent in part within the mind's eye. You know, that's what people want to know. If what I am advocating is true, that the millennial kingdom of Yahushua HaMashiach physically came upon this earth, of course, for a thousand years, right? Then how come nobody knows about it? How come nobody remembers it? Why is it not in the history books? Well, one thing seems evident. There was a physical reality coexisting with the spiritual awakening of souls until the spiritual was removed from the equation due to the desires of men. Only the bones of the kingdom remained. And by bones, I mean the architecture. I gave the ending to Hook as an example as to why Peter Pan could completely forget he had inhabited Neverland. That's the first thought that sprung to my mind in addressing all of this, believe it or not. It was the Steven Spielberg movie Hook. You may recall the ending of the outing, wherein Robin Williams wakes up by a statue of Pan in the park. Sigh, I know. I am asking you to set aside the obvious connections between Peter Pan and the pirates and the Lost Boys of Neverland with pedophilia and rape and all-around human trafficking for the moment. And of course, Peter Pan connects us to Ham, the, the son of Noah. It's like I can't mention one without the other, or my readers will begin thinking I've started up a steady blue pill diet. Not going to happen. Still red-pilling it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, as well as dessert. The scene I am thinking of doesn't help the situation either. The pirate Smee, played by Bob Hoskins, is clearly seen sweeping up, as if to keep a lookout on the next potential lost boy, if you get my meaning. Again though, I am asking you to set that aside for the moment and try to wrap your head around the profound significance of Pan waking to consciousness. The last time something like this happened, the boy who swore never to grow up altogether forgot that he had been the Pan Man. The forgetting part is central to the plot of the movie. I have long asked myself how something like that could happen. Forgetting one's life on Neverland seemed to require a leap in logic, but only because I did not understand the esoteric qualities of the J.M. Barry narrative, let alone the reality of our own former standing as a son of Elohim in the pre-existence game. The reason why Peter Pan so easily forgot he was the Pan Man in another life, and ultimately betrayed himself by welcoming what he swore never to become, an adult, has much and everything to do with the spiritual reality of Neverland. It exists on a spiritual plane. The 2003 Peter Pan movie really seems to nail it, the astral projection element of Neverland travel, as Pan and Tink take the children on a voyage through the cosmos. First star to the right and straight on till morning. Did I get that right? Sounds Masonic if you ask me. But even the hook outings manages the same approach. Do you recall what Tinkerbell told Robin Williams? In the closing scene that I am describing, here is her farewell message verbatim. You know that place between sleep and awake? That place where you still remember dreaming? That's where I'll always love you, Peter Pan. That's where I'll be waiting. What Tinkerbell is describing is precisely where Peter Pan finds himself at that very moment. He is in the in-between place, bookended by the dream and the waking. The adventure is still remembered, but the realities of his life in London are quickly coming into focus. That pits him in a very dangerous position because, 
to the careful observer, he is capable of forgetting his spiritual aptitude all over again, so long as he remains unfocused or lacking discipline. The next few minutes will be of the utmost importance. Details will very likely slip away, and in a worst case scenario, all will be lost. It's why we forget nearly every dream almost immediately after waking. So far as I'm concerned, the missing memory mystery as it relates to our nightly rotunda of dreams has never been adequately answered. Changing levels of acetylcholine during sleep, as well as norepinephrine, have something to do with it. Not to mention that we have several different fluctuating brain waves. Gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. That's just another fancy way of saying the information is filed away somewhere in our consciousness, but accessing it is often beyond our know-how. The shortest explanation may have more to do with a lack of discipline rather than anything else, which is what I'm proposing with the Millennial Kingdom. The thousand-year reign of Mashiach wasn't simply spiritual, nor was it merely physical. It was both planes of existence overlaid upon and cohabitating with the other or as you might say, a fulfillment of the prayer on earth as it is in heaven. What happens when the spiritual component is removed? Yes, that is what I am suggesting, that the kingdom came to the end of its ticker and was prophesied to do so, because the people chose rebellion rather than obedience. In pan terms, you might even say they desired to grow up and join the pirates. Wishes when aligned with the desires of one's heart do come true. I doubt this is the last time that I will remind you it's quite literally the story of the Bible. And so, what happened when the lights turned off? I'm not really sure on that one. Our spiritual controllers got into position on the stage, most likely. There was also new props set about, seeing as how this was the next act in the play. The old relics of the kingdom remained, some of them. I mean, they started destroying them immediately, if not giving them massive facelifts they would need new explanations for the normies. But that, as we know now, was accomplished. Particularly since the lights did turn on again, and when that happened, the world awoke and forgot all about it. And guess what? I found another text which shares the exact same sentiments. It derives from the Book of Creation, the first book to be found within Colbrin. Explanation is probably in order. This particular passage takes place before the Genesis 1-2 recreation events. It is a picture of the old world. Therefore, the man being referred to here in the plural are the pre-Adamites. Adam and Shua would be created to serve as the high priest of humanity in paradise, but that is another story altogether, happening an untold number of years down the line. Well, here is the passage. Man slept. But Elohim opened the great eye within him, and man saw a vision of unsurpassed glory. He heard the voice of Elohim saying, O man, in your hand is now placed the tablet of your inheritance, and my seal is upon it. Know that all you desire within your heart may be yours. But first it is necessary that you be taught its value. Behold, the earth is filled with things of usefulness. They are prepared to your hand for a purpose, but the task is upon you to seek them out and learn their use. This is the tuition for the management of your inheritance. What you know to be good, seek for, and it shall be found. You may plumb the seas and pluck the stars, 
you may live in everlasting glory and savor eternal delights. Above and below and all about, there is nothing beyond your reach. All within one exception is yours to attain. Then Elohim laid his hand upon man, saying, Now you are even as I, except you sleep there enclosed in matter in the kingdom of illusion, while I dwell here in the freedom of reality and truth. It is not for me to come down to you, but for you to reach out to me. Our unborn friends, whatever your circumstances of life, you are the children of the past and heirs of those who have lived and died. We trust you have no cause to reproach those who once held stewardship over your estate. But whatever you think of the heritage, you cannot put it aside any more than you can refuse that man then saw a vision of glory encompassing even the spheres of splendor. Unbounded wisdom filled his heart, and he beheld beauty in perfection. The ultimates of truth and justice were unveiled before him. He became one with the profound peace of eternity and knew the joys of unceasing gladness. The eternal ages of time unrolled as a scroll before his eyes, and he saw written thereon all that was to become and occur. The great vaults of heaven were opened up unto him, and he saw the everlasting fires and unconsumable powers that strove therein. He felt within himself the stirring of inexpressible love, and unlimited designs of grandeur filled his thoughts. His ruach ranged unhampered through all the spheres of existence. He was then even as Elohim himself, and he knew the secret of the seven spheres within three spheres. Then Elohim lifted his hand from man, and man was alone. The great vision departed, and he awoke. Only a dim and elusive recollection, no more than the shadow of a dream, remained. But deep within the sleeping soul, there was a spark of remembrance. But deep within the sleeping soul, there was a spark of remembrance. And it generated within man a restless longing for he knew not what. Henceforth, man is destined to wander discontented, seeking something he felt he knew but could not see, something which continually eluded him, perpetually goaded him, and forever tantalized him. Deep within himself, man knew something greater than himself was always with him and part of him, spurring him on to greater deeds, greater thoughts, greater aspirations. It was something out beyond himself, scarcely realized and never found. Something which told him that the radiance seen on the horizon, but dimly reflected the hidden glory beyond it. Book of Creation 2.12-16 What the passage manages to convey is Elohim's opening up of the third eye within man, long ago, at a very specific mile marker in his story. In doing so, he illuminated man to the mysteries of heaven, pulling back the veil to reveal how the material womb of the earth ultimately derives from his non-material mind. In saying man, I hope you know I'm ultimately implying men. It appears as though it was an awakening event for mankind as a whole. He saw all that was and everything which would occur. And just as we have already seen with the Peter Pan movie, he ranged freely through all the spheres of existence. But then what happened next? The father of Ruakoth closed the vision and man awoke to quote Colbrin again, only a dim and elusive recollection, no more than the shadow of a dream, remained. 
much of their spiritual aptitude would have been forgotten, though it created a longing for what cannot be seen. Man began to wander about in the Shadowlands discontented, attempting to recall the Creator who exists in the fullness of reality and truth, but is hidden from his creation. Those expressed sentiments are precisely what I have already stated, or in the very least attempted to convey. There are moments in his story when the father of Ruakoth opens the mind of man to his mysteries, and then there are moments when he closes them. Man awakens and then he forgets, rinse and repeat. The dark age came and went like a dream in the night, and here we are today, having woken at the tail end of man's so-called enlightenment. <laughs>